Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Ooh, you guys, we have a good relationship episode for you today, whether you are in one, getting out of one, looking for one. Whatever it may be, there is going to be some golden fucking truth nuggets in here for you. So sit back, grab a cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. (gasps) He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. Y'all, Carla Romo is joining us today. She is half of the wonderful podcast, The Love Fix Podcast. I had her co-host on, Sherry, a couple weeks back. Carla and I totally connected when I went on and did her show and was like, oh, we're kind of the same person. We've had a very similar journey, very similar traumas in the past. And I knew this was going to be a wonderful conversation. She is an author. She is a coach. Um, She really just gets it. She gets everything about relationships that we love to talk about here on FML Talk. We're going to talk about recognizing those toxic cycles that you might be in, how to break them, and really what it means to communicate in a healthy way, in a healthy relationship. Um, When past traumas resurface, how to kind of like navigate those, how to recognize those. She like dropped this one little truth bomb that I had never heard before, which I love. So this is really just a great, well-rounded relationship. And I just fucking really love her. I just really enjoy her energy. And I know you guys will too. So let's jump in. Carla Romo, welcome to FML Talk. I'm so thrilled to have you here. How are you, my love? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm like really ready to dive into all of this. You have just like a really great story of how you've come to do what it is that you do. So can you take us back and give everybody kind of like the little bit of backstory on how it is you got to writing your book, doing your podcast, all of the things? Absolutely. So as I like to bring it back to my childhood, as one does who has broken free from codependency, um, I had an abusive father. And so that really just set the tone of like, I'm unlovable. I'm not enough. And then my parents separated, got divorced when I was very, very little. But that left such an impact on me, you know, from Mm. a very young age of, of that feeling like something was always missing. I needed to work for my love. I wasn't enough. I wasn't lovable. I wasn't worthy. I mean, all of these things. And of course, at the time, like I'm not conscious of this, like I was a child. So, so I 
I always wanted boyfriends, like literally from a very young age, I always wanted boyfriends. And, and so I always felt like, oh, if, if I had a boyfriend, it would mean I was okay. Um, and that's really where the codependency has just begun. I don't really know the difference out of codependency or not out of codependency. It just kind of felt like I was born into it. And so it wasn't until my early adult life where I was in these like codependent relationships and I got into this really unhealthy, abusive relationship. And I just decided to take this solo travel trip to Ireland by myself. And I was standing in the Wicklow Forest and I just saw two paths in front of me. And I was like, okay, Carla, you can either continue to go down this path of self-sabotage and, you know, do this same shit over and over again, which is insanity. Uh, or you can choose the path of self-love and learn how to be in a relationship with yourself, learn how to actually love yourself, take care of yourself show up for yourself, learn what red flags are, how to say no, what boundaries are. And so I ended that abusive relationship. And as I like to say, I begun the most important relationship that I will ever have and I have today, which is the relationship with myself. And that's the journey that I'm on and have been on since that decision. So from there, I, I was working in television and I had a codependent relationship with TV. So it's not just like, you know, you you have these codependent relationships with men. It's like, no, it kind of comes out everywhere in your life. And so totally. once I started to like really invest in my own self-love, I was like, huh, working on these TV shows isn't really fulfilling me anymore. You know, the cycle of burnout and then you work gig to gig and, you know, there it's freelance. So there's no contract for anybody's like, what, what is this work? You know, there's no contract. You just get hired on the show and then you work on it for a couple of weeks and then you're on to the next show. and it's a, it can be dysfunctional at times. And, and that was just no longer was serving me. And I just thought to myself, you know, other people are struggling. Other people are going through codependent relationships, are going through their own unlovable journey right now in life and just trying to navigate it and aren't listening to the red flags and don't know how to get themselves out of this. And I thought, you know, I want to be able to help other people go through their self-love journey, be able to turn their script around, write a new chapter in their life. And so I got certified to be a coach. And then that's where I really started. I thought, you know, I want to be able to help more people. And and how can I do that? So I, I got, you know, writing my book, Contagious Love, Break Free from Codependency for Damn Good. And then um, I expanded and I met my co-host, Shara Gaba, who uh, is the my podcast co-host for the Love Fix podcast. And she and I were like, let's team up. We're 30 years apart. And, you know, we have our own codependency and she has love addiction as well in there, too. And we just thought, all right, let's fucking do this. Like, let's help people break free from these toxic relationships, these codependent relationships, love addiction, all that kind of stuff. And it's a, it's fun because she's a therapist and I'm a certified coach. And so it's it's got this cool, fun dynamic. And and it works. So that's kind of really like the evolution of what got me to to being more vocal today about about how to get out of these toxic relationships and step into these healthy relationships with yourself. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So we have so many similarities, like even down to like the fuck it, I'm going on a solo trip to find myself. How old were you when you took that trip? Just out of curiosity. I was 24. Okay. I was 27, 28. I was 28. Uh -huh. So it was like right around my Saturn return. So I was like curious if you were close to that age as well. But it's so interesting to me when the men, the fucked up men in our life end up being the catalyst for us to go and take these like wild and crazy journeys and like push us to these new places we need to be. Um, and I think it's 
it's very poetic in a way that like the abusive relationships or the codependent relationships, those are often the ones or the love bombing relationships. Those are often the ones that will break us so wide open that we're just like, fuck this. I need to go heal myself and find a different way. Yes. I always say I hit my bottom. Like that was my rock bottom at that moment was like, and and then the awareness piece, like it's humbling because it's like, well, I now know what I'm doing. And so now this is a fucking choice. Like this is a choice to engage in this. And it just was not working for me anymore. Yeah. And how, I mean, like literally even down to like the, the dad issues, you know, I didn't have an abusive father, but my father died when I was young and that kind of instilled that long stemming fear of abandonment in me. And I was always like you searching for that person to kind of fill that void within myself. And like, who's the next relationship? Who's the next boyfriend? Just so fucking unhealthy, but is very tracks with codependency. So can you kind of give us your definition of like what it means to be codependent? The way I look at codependency is that you lose a part of yourself or all of yourself to somebody in a relationship. So people might be like, well, it's healthy to be codependent. No, it's healthy to be interdependent with a partner. Codependency is I'm trying to fix. I'm trying to control this other person. And a lot of times it comes out whether they have addiction or mental health issues that they're not doing that are they're just not taking care of themselves. Um, A lot of it, though, is stemmed in low self-esteem of self. So I Mm -hmm. had extremely low self-esteem within myself. Which is really funny because I have to say that codependents are actually very much go-getters. So you might think that somebody, well, they don't have low self-esteem. They're like killing it. They're doing X, Y, Z, you know, like all these things. I, gra- I mean, for example, I graduated college early uh, and had two job offers working in television, one in New York City and one in L.A., you know, and and it's like you would think, oh, somebody who has low self-esteem wouldn't hold themselves back. Like they, they would hold themselves back. They wouldn't go after something like that. No. The motive behind wanting to go after that was I needed to prove that I was worthy and valuable mm. in life. And so and so that's kind of the example of just like codependency playing out with the self-esteem. A lot of codependents are like badasses and go-getters. It's it's the motive that is driving it. What is the motive of needing to fix and and take care of this person? Oh, if the motive is because you need to be okay, otherwise, you know, if they're not okay, then you're not okay. Mm-hmm. That's codependency. Right. Hi, my name is Gabrielle Stone. I am, in fact, a, a badass and a go-getter, and I am also a high-functioning codependent. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. Yes. <laughs> I, I totally I totally relate to that. Um, and it wasn't even pointed out to me. I, I didn't become super aware of it until I had um, an author named Terry Cole on the show who wrote a book called Boundary Boss. And she was like, oh, yeah, like you need to fix everything. You need everything to be perfect all the time. Yeah, you're a high-functioning codependent. I was like, oh, cool. Yes. Good to know. Um, (laughs) So I totally relate to that. Um, What was it on your trip when you got, when you were standing in the forest and you got to the two paths where you were like able to recognize how bad the relationship had gotten, how bad the abuse had gotten, like, how were you able to kind of like take what I usually call those love goggles off and be like, mm-hmm. this is not for me anymore and I need to choose a different path? For me, it was the separation, getting away, mm-hmm. like being on my own and having some perspective and, and really sitting with myself for the first time because it's scary when you're codependent. Like you don't want to be alone. Like you you want to make everything work in front of you. It's that control piece. And for me, it was that separation 
But also, it was the first time that I was truly spiritual. Like, I hadn't been spiritual before. It was my way or the highway. Like, I didn't believe in a higher power. I didn't believe in a spiritual source, God, universe. Like, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't follow any religion. But for me, I'm an extremely spiritual person to this day. Daily, I connect with a higher power. And I will tell you, at that time, I started to get introduced more so into spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment that I had this, like, voice kind of like pop into my my head in this like moment that was just like you're gonna be okay like you're gonna Mm. be okay no matter what you choose you're gonna be okay and so it was kind of letting the universe play out and not needing to control not needing to manage this outcome or the relationship that i i had this aha moment Mm. and you know at the time this person had been cheating on me and I, i hadn't even confirmed it yet But what I did is I'm extremely intuitive, like very fucking intuitive. I have been my entire life. I just haven't always followed it. Now Mm. I follow the shit out of it. Like it is my superpower. It really is. And, And so I was getting these intuitive messages within that something was off. So I actually got back and confirmed it with a friend the next day. Mm. And she told me this is what's happening. And I was like, fuck that. I'm out. Like I like I just it was like kind of like this combination of things. But once I was able to put together everything, get some space and have spirituality involved in that, then I felt safe to be able to walk away. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 and use code FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLTalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLTalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. I think so many times people that are in not only abusive relationships, like any type of toxic relationship, they'll be like, okay, I'm starting to recognize the fact that I'm in this kind of like unhealthy, not great situation. But like, what's what's the other option? Like, am I just going to go back to being single and alone? And like, I have a fear of being alone or am I going to have to like go back to the, God forbid, the online dating pool and like deal with starting from scratch again? Like, am I even going to find someone? Like, maybe this is good enough. Like, there's so many ways we rationalize it in our brains that lower our self-worth and make it be like, well, let me put myself down a couple notches so that this feels okay and good enough and comfortable. And fuck that. Like life is way too long and way too short all at the same time to just be, it's okay, it's comfortable, it's good enough. Absolutely, yeah. And I I mean, you just said like, okay, what, you have to be lonely, like whatever. I will tell you right now that if you're codependent and you're in a 
non-functioning codependent relationship, I will say right now, you already feel really alone. Yeah, you're fucking lonely right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's just the truth. And this is somebody who is speaking it from past experience. So the idea of being lonely is scary. The actual act of being alone, single, and then breaking free from codependency. So filling your life up with hobbies, with people who love, care about you, things that interest you in life, going after goals that maybe you never thought you could achieve before. All of those things fill your life up so much that when you decide to bring somebody into it in a relationship sense, that you're not just going to pick anybody. Like you are going to pick somebody that fits into your life. You're no longer trying to fit into other people's lives. Yeah. And it's so important that when you go into any type of relationship dynamic that you can love that person and you can want the best for that person and you can want things to work out, but you have to know somewhere within yourself that you will be okay if it doesn't. Um, you know, on a more drastic scale, because I've experienced so much death in my life. Like I've had to come to terms with like my current husband and like as much as I love him and he's my best friend and I want to always be with him. Like if he, if the world were to stop and he were to cheat on me or God forbid, he like passes away. Like I have to know that I will be able to get through that because of the love I have within myself. And that's a hard yes. one to fucking swallow, man. After the trauma that people have been through, you're like, wait, what? No, 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 no. I can't even fucking fathom that. And you have to be able to rectify that within yourself. Absolutely. I actually no longer enter in relationships. And once the relationship is up and going, I I really... And, and I always say codependency is a journey like and so self-love. So it's not just like you're not like you break free of codependency and you never have to think about it again. It's a daily act of like loving myself, of investing in myself, of changing my thoughts, of taking care of myself. So it's manageable today. Like my life Mm -hmm. is 100% manageable. But a perfect example of what you just said is that I was engaged in 2020 and ended the engagement. And I didn't see red flags. I would never have said yes to somebody if I had seen red flags. I mean, old sure. Carla maybe would have. But <laughs> I, I never I never would have. And and before I had said yes to this person, like I made a conscious choice of what marriage would look like for me and what my deal breakers were. And I was very communicative with this person. And they were very clear on like my boundaries and where I stood and all of those things. And I just and and once I started seeing the red flags, like and it happened very quick, it was a very short period of time, I was out. And I I ended it. So the thing is, too, is that like I got through that. Mm -hmm. It fucking hurt. It hurt so bad. And it was traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so you have trauma on a certain level of what was happening. And then you have all the triggers from your past trauma kind of like getting pulled up, like all of the abandonment, everything just kind of like surfacing all at once. But I got through it. I survived, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that this idea, code, I mean, ugh, me as a codependent, and I know clients feel, my clients feel this way too. It's like you, like as a codependent, it's like the wet dream of codependency is that happy ending, right? Like everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. You're never going to have heartbreak. You'll always be fine. No, the secret yeah. is being present and living your daily life, not needing to be in control of other people and living the life that you actually want to live. Mm-hmm. And so I think that default of like falling back into that you know, help me obviously get through it on an expedited level. But it doesn't take away the feelings. It doesn't take away trauma. It doesn't take away life happening because life just happens. Shit happens in life. Yeah. But I survived. 
I, I worked through it. I went to therapy. I did lots of therapy, you know, to the point where I was, I got myself back up and running again. And yeah. so I, I think that this idea, right? Like, I love just how real you are about it with like, yeah, like your husband, he could die. He could cheat. Like something could happen, right? Like something could, anything could happen. But today you're in it and today it works mm-hmm. and today you're yeah. choosing it. And I think that that's really powerful when you've got codependency and you're breaking out of those behaviors. Yeah. And people listening to this might be like, absolutely not. There's no way that I could like have that be an option or a chance. But that's the reality of living this life that we're in, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And it, I think it's a good reminder for people to remember that all the bullshit that you've gone through before, all the deaths, all the loss, all the heartbreak, all the betrayals, all the fucked up shit that's happened to you in your life, you've made it through all of that. Like you're here, you're listening to this podcast. You have made it through 100% of the shit that has been thrown your way, whether it took a day, a month, a year, or a decade. You've made it through all of that. So when you go through this hard shit that feels so fucking awful and uncomfortable, like I sympathize with you and I get it, eat your ice cream, drink your wine, but know that we are going to get through it. It's just a matter of time till you get to the other side. Yes. And another thing, feelings aren't facts. So (laughs) I had been through enough dips in life, like enough shit and enough bottoms that like when I went through this dip of uh, the trauma of like my engagement ending and everything that happened around it, I had moments like I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be completely honest because I'm a, you know, I'm a professional at this and I help people work through these things as well. But I'm a human being. Of course, I felt like what's in front of me? Like, what Mm. is this? Like what? Like what is, you know, but I will tell you, I I used evidence. This is this is what I do with my clients. I said, when was a time you thought was going to be impossible to get through, but you got through it, whether it's small or really big? And I did that for myself. I thought, okay, you've gotten through the other stuff. You survived it, you know. And 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 I'm really big on picking, doing things for myself in the sense that, like, I booked a trip to Mexico and lived in Mexico for five weeks, and that gave Love me that. something for me. Like that is what kind of gave me something to look forward to, something to hold on to. Yeah. Because my future had just completely gone away in front of me. It was terrifying. I was I was scared. But giving me myself something for me and then living it and doing it, when I came back from Mexico, I was a totally in a totally different headspace, totally yeah. different perspective. Basically, guys, what we're saying is anytime life throws you a curveball, book a solo trip and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's the answer to life, period. Thank you for coming Done. to the show today. Um, <laughs> I love what you said, though, about finding the evidence, something that my therapist talks to me about a lot when I deal with like any intrusive thoughts that were wild in my first tr- trimester of pregnancy, like n- things I had never experienced with intrusive thoughts before. She would be like, Gabrielle, are these like, is there any evidence for these or is it fears? And she's like, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Are there, is there any evidence that this is going to come to fruition? Is there any evidence this is actually happening? And anytime I would sat, sit there and break it down, I'd be like, well, shit, no, absolutely not. But the fear is really real and it's really there. But like, there was never any evidence for it. So I love that you said to like, look for the evidence in the situation and like, really like what what can you pinpoint that's actually happening in your life and what can you like choose to let go? Yes. I also had a really supportive group of people around me, like my family, my friends, like I would never have gotten through that without them. And I, and not everybody has supportive group of family and friends around them. I mean, it's just the reality of one, if it's your first like 
time really breaking out of unhealthy or an abusive relationship, maybe your friends and family were like, this is too much. Like I have boundaries around. I need to separate myself from you, you know, Um, but it's not impossible to build that up. So finding some kind of community as well, some kind of belonging is Mm -hmm. also super helpful, right? Because it's like, you don't have to go through this shit alone. Maybe that's even just a therapist or going to a 12-step program or, you know, something outside of yourself that you can kind of get the support from that you, you don't have to face it by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's so incredibly important. And I feel so lucky to have that built into my life and not have to go searching for that. But you're you're completely right. Whether it's finding it in a therapist or, you know, like the Patreon group that I have in in my Facebook community now, like half of those women are like best friends and and have created these like lifelong friendships. And so stuff like that, finding community is so fucking important. Let's talk toxic relationship patterns and how to really identify some of those when you're in it and like in the thick of it. Yeah. So sometimes it's a slow burn. So you don't realize that you're developing really unhealthy, toxic, you know, relationship characteristics or anything like that. I'm going to tell you right now your gut feeling. If something feels off or if you look at your friends and you have to ask them, does your partner do this too? And you're asking Mm. sort of in a way of like, you know, it's not right, but you need some kind of validation to turn that red flag green. Something's off. Okay. So like, first off, just like check in with yourself. Like, no, I don't even care what he's doing, what you're doing, what's saying, not being said. Like, I don't care. Check in with yourself. Do the gut check. Like, and some people don't feel it in their gut. So some people may feel it in their heart or their throat or, you know, whatever. But if something feels off, it is. It's 100% off. The other thing too, I would say when you're in the thick of it is, are you or your partner willing to, or both people willing to sit down and talk about things after a fight? Like, how are you repairing a rupture in a relationship? Mm. So you guys get mad, you guys get upset. It has to go beyond, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. Like that's, yeah. that's not enough. It just really isn't. Um, the other thing too, is you always want to be respecting your partner. I get people are human beings. Like you can be in a healthy relationship and maybe lose your shit. Like not a lot. Okay. That like, but like even people in healthy relationships, there's no perfect relationship might have an instance where they're like, they kind of lose it on their partner for a second. And then they're like, holy shit, what just happened? Like, you know, hormones, like whatever, like other things, stress, things like that can trigger people to be more stressed. Okay. That's different than sort of these cycles, these patterns that continue to happen in a relationship where it's almost as if you're like, just like, it's almost predictable. Mm. You can almost start to see like, okay, we're going to get upset. Then what's going to happen? He's going to apologize, say he won't do it again. Then we're going to have a really nice period of time together Mm -hmm. and it's going to be really good. And I'm going to be walking on eggshells because I'm afraid that Something will happen that will make him upset again. And I don't ever want to go back there again. So I'm going to do everything I can to avoid going back there again. That's inevitable, though, when you're in a toxic relationship cycle. So something might not even be you, might be the other person, something gets triggered, and boom, you're back there again. And then you repeat that cycle again. And and then you do enough dances of this, it becomes a toxic relationship cycle. And so I think what is important here is you know, are you walking on eggshells? You might walk on eggshells because you have PTSD from past relationships or your upbringing, 
And so it's important to go to a therapist and work some of your trauma out from past relationships. Mm -hmm. But are you walking on eggshells because this person becomes explosive or they diminish you or they put you down or they don't make you feel heard or they make fun of you in front of other people so you just don't speak up, right? Mm -hmm. Like if that's the motive of why you're not speaking up and why you're walking on eggshells, that's a massive red flag. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is it's all about repairing a rupture. If the other person is saying, oh, I'll, I'll change this, I'll do this. Great. I love I love a good commitment. Right. When I'm working with um, people who are in relationships and you know, my clients who are in relationships and their partners like I'm not going to do X, Y and Z anymore. Great. But let's see the evidence. Like what actions are they doing? Like what are right. they what steps are they taking to actually repair, to change things, to do it differently? That is where the change comes in relationships. So yeah. it can look different for everybody and it can feel difficult because you have really happy times. Like I said, those times that you hold on to with, you know, the biggest grip you got out there, the strongest grip, but, but eventually it starts to hit that cycle again. Yeah. 100%. That was me and my ex-husband to a T. I love that you said that. I think that's so important to, for people to hear and to hammer home. If people are just apologizing that doesn't mean shit. <laughs> like we do not really care that much about the words. I'm sorry. If there is no action matched with that and changed behavior to follow that, that yep. doesn't mean shit. And I think that's so fucking important for people to really hear and grasp because too many times I was in relationships where it was like, I'm sorry, and let's go to dinner. And I'm sorry. Or like, you know, it won't happen again. Or I'm sorry. And and there was no changed behavior behind it. And if I would have like come to terms with that and recognized that, I would have been able to spot those toxic cycles a lot quicker and get out a lot sooner. Absolutely. Yes. And it's it's all about the behavior. And and look, people could also say, oh, but I'm trying. And they can use it as a manipula like manipulative uh, tactic. Uh, I'm trying so hard. Don't you see? I've done this. I've done that. I've done that. Like, that's almost like their resume gets pulled out. Right. If they're pulling <laughs> out a fucking resume, like, this is not a job interview. This is a relationship. <laughs> like, you probably want to run. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 100%. How, when you've recognized kind of like, oh, okay, if you're Googling, am I in a toxic relationship? You probably fucking are. Um, <laughs> if you realize, like, oh shit, I'm in a toxic relationship, how do you break? that cycle when it's when it's not as simple as like, I'm done, I'm going to choose me, I'm going to leave. Because we all wish that that could be the answer to everybody's, you know, decision time. But it's usually more often than not, not. So what? how do we start to break that toxic cycle? Focus on yourself. 110% focus on yourself. You can actually change your relationship dynamic by focusing on yourself. Uh, because when you start to invest in you, you start to make connections again with friends, with family. Mm -hmm. You start mm -hmm. to do some hobbies, some interests. Just pick one. Start to do it. Commit to it weekly. Uh, you start to show up for yourself. Go to your doctor's appointments. Take care of your mental health. If you need a therapist, grab a, you know, get a therapist. If you need a coach, get a coach. And I, I recognize that's not accessible for everybody too. Um, but start reading some books. There's tons of really good books out there. Listening um, to the podcasts. <laughs> I was going to say, listening to your podcast. I've also got a podcast around toxic relationships. Yeah. But, you know, the idea is that you want to focus on yourself. Start doing things for you. Okay? Because at this point, you're probably pretty wrapped up in saving, fixing the other person, the relationship. You don't want it to end. And there's fear in focusing on yourself. Because if you 
move the focus onto yourself, then what does that mean? That this person Mm -hmm. might go off and do something else. They might cheat on you. They might leave you. They might abandon you, right? Like all the whatever. But I'm going to tell you right now that the the dynamic is just going to continue being the same the more you keep turning into that toxic relationship. The more that you can start to focus on you, focus on your boundaries, what you want, what you don't want, learning to respond differently than you have been before, it's going to be a game changer. Now, am I saying that the relationship will still be healthy because now you're going to like change all these things and now you're in a healthy relationship? Not necessarily. But at least your side of things is covered. Like you are taking care of yourself. You are showing Mm -hmm. up for yourself. And when you can do that, the other person is left. It's kind of almost like if you think about a child who's throwing a temper tantrum. If you try to engage with the child throwing at the temper tantrum, the child's just going to continue to act out, right? You're giving them the attention. Mm -hmm. Think about that with a dysfunctional relationship. When you turn away from that person's behavior and you're no longer giving it what it needs for the fuel to keep it going, they then have to kind of pause and look at themselves. And that yeah. that can be a game changer. Absolutely. And I think that on top of that, which I agree with all of all of the above that you just said, on top of that, when you're taking responsibility and changing your own behavior, a lot of times it can part the clouds and the fog that's been around your brain and take off those love goggles that have been over your face. And you start seeing it for what it really is. You're like, wait, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Why the fuck can they not meet me halfway? Like, oh, maybe this is what my best friend Sally was telling me to like get the fuck out of and like wake up and realize for the last six months. Like, I get it, Sally. I understand now. <laughs> like it, it starts, <laughs> it starts to allow you to be like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't like as great as I thought it was. Maybe now I'm able to like recognize some of those toxic patterns that aren't super healthy for me to be in. Totally. Yes. And it starts to make you realize, oh, like you said, like that separation of, oh, wait, I'm my own person because there's so much enmeshment and dysfunction. Like there's so much enmeshment. You don't have your own sense of self. It's all about the relationship, the relationship. Well, healthy relationships have boundaries. Healthy relationships Mm -hmm. have autonomy, right? And that's what makes relationships really healthy. And if you're used to growing up in dysfunction or codependency, and that seems comfortable for you, the idea of having boundaries or autonomy could feel like the end of the world or abandonment or that you don't care about the relationship and that's not love. So I think as well, too, like taking a step back, you're redefining like what it means to be in a relationship, what you want for yourself, all of those things. Mm, Yeah. And I think so many times we, through our adolescence, through our early 20s, we've gotten a, whether it's from society or from toxic behaviors in relationships or from watching parents, like we've gotten a fucked up definition of what it means to be in a relationship. So I think redefining that, like you just said, is so important because the relationships that I was searching for and wanting in my late teens, early 20s are vastly fucking different than the relationships that I was looking for in my 30s. It's like, you know, that meme that they always uh, say when someone sits down in their in their 20s and they're like, what kind of car do you drive? What job do you have? Like, what's your income? And then in your 30s, you're like, have you done your shadow work? Who's your therapist? Like, what's your relationship (laughs) like with your mother? Um, It's like completely fucking different. And sometimes we need yes. to check in with ourselves to be like, okay, what's really important to me? Like, what are the things that really are non-negotiables? And like, 
making, you know, people always say like, don't have a checklist, don't have like, you know, too many things that you need in a relationship. But I say, fuck yeah, have a checklist, but have it be of like serious core values and non-negotiables, not stupid frivolous shit. You know, like in my younger years on that checklist, I probably would have said, I would like to be with someone who's never been married before and doesn't have kids from a previous relationship because that shit's gnarly and difficult at times. I would have fucked myself and missed out on the most magical guy on the fucking planet. <laughs> like, you know, totally like yes. stuff, stuff that's really like core values, not that's surface level and, you know, more aesthetic that we would have in like our younger years. Yes. So I am actually in a, a relationship right now. We've been together for a couple months. So it's a very new relationship. But when I was dating, I was asking all of these important questions, right? And and he, I mean, I'm with him because he fucking met me exactly like where I'm at. Like his emotional mm-hmm. intelligence. I was like, fuck yes. Like I love it. Uh, but one of the questions he asked me on a second date was, what are your core values? Mm. And it's like, when you think about that, you could take a step back. It's like, Hmm, what are my core values? I mean, I had already done a lot of this work, so I was like excited and You're ready like, for this. You're like, bitch, I got a list. <laughs> You're like whipping out, right the scro- <laughs> whipping out the scroll. You're like, here we go. Exactly, <laughs> it's my time to shine. Yes. yes. But, you know, things that I wanted to make sure of, right, was, a, you know, a question I would ask dates all the time, and, you know, not on the first date, probably second or third date, but if I was, you know, starting to get to know somebody was, when was your last relationship and why did it end? But give me the brief version because I'm not there for somebody. I'm not somebody's therapist. I'm not there for them to trauma dump. That's my boundary of like, you know, but I wanted to know how did they, you know, what was it that they went through? How did they learn from it? Did they grow from it? Totally You can find out really quickly things like that. So it's just questions like that, that I would ask people, um, you know, and, and I would ask questions around like, what's something that you've like worked on in the last year that you feel really proud of? Mm-hmm. Okay, it shows whether they're goal-oriented, something right. that they work for, that they can accomplish things, achieve things. Yeah. So asking some of these questions a little bit, just like a little more in depth, can give you so much more of a background on somebody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not going to be foolproof. It doesn't mean like, you know, maybe five dates down, you know, the line that, okay, maybe you see a red flag, you know, whatever. But But at least you can start to see, can this person have these conversations with me about things that are important for me? And then you can kind of suss out, can they keep up? You know, it's not a test. You're not testing people. But you want somebody either at your level or to fucking surpass it, right? Like, you don't want to lower yourself down because you're trying to fit into their box. Like, you want them to fit into your box. And I'm not about checklists, about deal breakers, wants and needs lists. Yes. But, but it's important to honor yourself, especially if you have a pattern of being in unhealthy relationships. Yeah, 100%. Coming from some traumatic past relationships, which we both have, if you're, well, I mean, I guess you specifically, you are entering into this newer relationship. If you were to see a flag that, you know, could be red, crimson, maroon in that general color area, and you're like, oh, that seems like a red flag, but everything else is going so well, what's your advice for? I mean, obviously, we don't want to ignore it, but you don't want to be like, this is this one red flag, this one thing that I saw, I'm fucking out. Goodbye. I'm leaving the relationship. Like, where's the line of like, can it be worked on? Can it be painted green? Can we change it? Right. So if it's a red flag, like a true red flag, I'm out. If it's a yellow flag, 
Because a lot of there's there's, you know, people have yellow flags like we, totally. we all got shit. We all got baggage. It's just a matter of how much baggage your hands can carry. Right. Right. And so and so the way I look at it is if it's a red flag, like if, if you know, a deal breaker for me was an affair. So if. Oh, sure. Yeah. My partner right now, like cheated on me, like I'm out. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, say it's something that's a little bit more black not so black and white. Right. It's not like an on off thing. What I would suggest to somebody is leaning into it and having a conversation with that person, having mm-hmm. multiple conversations, letting them know you're concerned, letting them know that you're thinking about it. And then what you need to do is your work around it. So I have clients write down flags, any type of flag, yellow flag, anything they're concerned about. Write it down. Write it down in a journal. You can keep it for yourself. If you have somebody that you can trust, okay, who wants what's best for you. Now, this can be tricky when it's with friends. Sometimes friends really want a relationship to work out for you because they're excited for you. So they're right. just going to paint all these like flags green and be like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You're overthinking it. And then you're like, I'm confused. Um, yeah. Try talking to somebody who is a therapist or I don't know, the Love Fix has a question of the day that you can write in and ask your question. And we we answer it on the podcast. So it's like trying to get some kind of you know, source or you have a group, a community group. I'm sure people can ask questions in that too. Yeah. So it's like try to like ask questions to somebody who can support you through navigating it. Um, but call the elephant out in the room. Talk with your partner about it. This needs to be something that's in front of both of you that you guys are working through together. This isn't something that you need to figure out on your own. Um, and see how you guys ma- manage that conflict together. See where it goes. Does this person freak out and put you down and make you feel small and stupid? Are they trying to be reassuring and talk to you about it and giving you space to work on it? Because that's a green flag, you know? So that's really how I would look at approaching it. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got their shit. It's just a matter of how much shit you want to handle. Yeah, 100%. And I think that Tay and I always talk about like the main thing and the main answer to most problems is communication. And sometimes, especially in newer relationships, like someone might not even realize that what they're doing is causing a trigger in you to make it look like a yellow or red flag. Um, And the simple act of being like, hey, this is the shit that I brought with me into this relationship. And when you do this, it makes me feel this is enough for them to be like, oh, fuck, I had no idea. My bad. I'm so sorry. Let me take care of it and handle it. Um, Obviously, there's situations, like you said, that are more like hardcore red flags. It's like, let's just call it for what it is and walk the fuck away. But a lot of times those yellow flags can be addressed simply by communicating. And I think people shy away from doing that because it's like, oh, it's new or, oh, I don't want to be a a, a burden or a problem or, oh, then he's not going to like me more. If he's not going to like you for coming to the table and being like, hey, this is the thing. Can you help me fix it? Like he's not the fucking one and let's move on. Oh, I could not agree more. And you've probably experienced this too. Like early on, like you get triggered in new relationships. And because you're like, wait a minute, you know, you're trying to get your your footing and everything. Uh, I would say my partner and I do such a good job of I I have my own soothing techniques. So like I just self soothe. And then when I feel like I'm emotionally sober, then I go and talk to him about it. And Mm -hmm. I just say, hey, look, I don't think that you're doing this on purpose. But I want to let you know why I felt triggered. And then it becomes more about the relationship of how to move things forward. And we become so much stronger and our like love for each other, like grows so much deeper because now we are vulnerable and we're talking about these things. And, you know, he wants what's best for me. I want what's best for the relationship. And so we're, we're communicating on this really healthy, awesome level. But I also recognize that everybody has those skills and those tools. And that's Mm -hmm. where I think it's really important to do 
trauma work. Like if you've got past trauma and past relationships, like, because then you might be projecting, oh, this person, like, you know, screw him. He's doing the same thing that my ex used to do. Probably not. He could, he could. Right. But, but if, you know, what's the saying? If it's hysterical, it's historical. So Mm. if your response is hysterical, if it's upsetting, if you're really like, oh, I can't believe you do this, it's probably historical. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that. That's a fucking great thing to remember. And there's so many times I can look back in my history and be like, yep, that that tracks. <laughs> that's that's <Yes>. correct. <laughs> yeah, I so I can look back at so many of my track record and be like, yep, that tracks. Um, I yep. really love that. That's a great saying. I also love that what you said about going and talking to your partner and the way that you phrased it was almost taking the blame off of him and being like, hey, you know, this is, I don't think you're doing this on purpose. This is probably from some of my past stuff. And then explaining what it is because it makes the person receiving the information not feel attacked as opposed to like, you did this and it made me feel this way and you're a fucking asshole and blah, blah, blah. It allows them to come at it from a how can I take care of this person that I care about as opposed to feeling like they have to defend themselves? Absolutely. And I always suggest to my clients, like you're in a loving relationship. Let's look at it from a loving relationship perspective. If your partner doesn't really love you and is manipulating you, that'll be evident. So let's just come at it from a loving relationship perspective. And I always suggest to my clients, like, you know, if your partner does something, they're probably not doing it to you on purpose. If you are in a healthy relationship, there's no perfect relationship, okay? So we use the word healthy, healthy relationship. Your partner doesn't want to actually upset you, doesn't want to trigger you, okay? So anytime that like a client is going through something difficult or uh, feels triggered, you know, I always say self-soothe, work on it, reflect a little bit with yourself. And not everybody has that pause. So sometimes we react, but after the reaction, you know, do some reflection. And then come to your partner at it with a very much hands-off approach of like, instead of like, when you did this to me, it's more about, look, I know you love me. I know you care about me. However, you had done something yesterday that really just brought me back to just a really shitty time in a past relationship. Can we talk about it? Get their buy-in. Ask if you can talk about it. Yeah. I love that so much. Oh my God, Carla, this has been so wonderful. And we've hit on so many like really, really important topics and some new ones for me, which I always love. Um, Can you tell everybody again what the podcast is called, where they can find your book, where they can find you on social media, all the things? Absolutely. The podcast is The Love Fix. And um, you can get my book at my website if you're in the US at carlaromo.com. You can also go there if you want to work together. And then as well, uh, if you are international, you can find my book on Amazon, Contagious Love. And um, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at I am Carla Romo. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. This was such a wonderful conversation. I feel like I'm like talking to myself through. (laughs) No, you're awesome. I fucking love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, girl. I want to thank Carla so much for coming on and joining us on FML Talk today. I hope you guys really heard some of those tidbits in this episode that were like so fucking valuable and so golden and so good to have as reminders. Whether you are in a relationship that's not so healthy that you're trying to get out of or you're single and trying to get into a healthy relationship or you're trying to heal some of the past bullshit that relationships have left on you, or you're in a great relationship and you want to keep it that way. There are so many things that can be solved 
by knowing your worth and putting the focus back on yourself. That was one of the key points of today's episode. No matter what phase or state or situation you're in, the more you can pour into yourself and focus on yourself and make sure you have that love with inside yourself, the better the relationships around you will be or the more clarity you will have around those relationships if they are bullshit and need to be let go of. I hope you guys got a lot out of this episode and enjoyed Carla. I I know that I had a wonderful time chatting with her. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatpreyfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.